Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Uh, it's it's part of it. I mean, the best players in the game have all been traded. Uh, I mean, some of the few lucky ones have been blessed to be drafted in situations where they can win championships and and it all be perfect for them. They can stay in that one situation forever, and that's that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I want to do with Atlanta. Um, but who knows? It's, this is uh, it's a type of league where things change and it happens, but obviously my, my mindset is staying in Atlanta right now, and uh, I don't get caught up in all the, the rumors and stuff. I, my contract is locked in for a couple of years, so I don't have very much say in it right now. That was Trey Young. After all the All-Star festivities after the All-Star game, talking about his future in Atlanta, giving just some thoughts on, you know, the trade rumors that are going on right now. And that was a great question from Jamila JNBA on Twitter. She's done great work. Go over to her YouTube page, ATL Hawks fan, subscribe to her. She's a credential Atlanta Hawks media member, and she does really good work for, you know, the Hawks community and, and, you know, just all the work she puts in. Really appreciate it to ask a question that no one else was answering, asking him during this entire weekend. She had the gall to ask him that question. So really appreciate her asking that. But that's what we're going to start with today, guys. Welcome back to Believe in Hawks podcast. Been a couple of days. Obviously, All-Star break happening. Wanted to talk about that comment. Talk about Trey Young's All-Star weekend. And then talk about some changes I want to see the team make when we get back to playing on Friday. So, listen. Continuing off the last episode, talk about Trey Young's future. Obviously, those comments, I think, from what I've seen on social, they have they have created, I don't want to say a stir, but people are looking into it deeply. Oh, he didn't say, he said right now, and da 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 and He's not saying things that maybe mean like, oh yeah, I am committed to Atlanta forever, et cetera, et cetera, because he brought up the, oh, you know, sometimes, you know, you can't stay with a team your whole career because of unseen circumstances and things like that. And so some people were wondering, was Trey hinting at something? But he did say his mind currently is on Atlanta. He said, I have a couple years left in my contract. So one thing about Trey Young that I feel like just the vibe he gives me, he doesn't seem like the type who's going to sit here and demand a trade, demand out. He seems like he will finish out his contract here and then he will reassess the situation in Atlanta and decide what he wants to do. But he would prefer, and I truly believe him when he said that, I do think he truly prefers to stay in Atlanta if he could stay in Atlanta. You know, um, I don't think he's in this mission and mode of like, I got to get out of here. You know, people were talking about during the All-Star Week and him with with Victor, you know, if they say he was flirted with Victor, you know, talking to all these guys. And we know the NBA All-Star break, you know, you never know what type of tampering is going on, what, what players are saying to each other. And, you know, a lot of questions come from that. But I, I think pretty much, I mean, Atlanta – for him is a place I think he wants to win at. I've said this multiple times. I said this last episode. I said that he wants to win in Atlanta. You know, but I think he also is aware of what the front office has done. Brad Rowland spoke about it on his podcast, basically saying he doesn't, he's not seething. You know, Atlanta does not want to trade him. But at the same time, Trey and obviously the fans know that the front office has been a little cheap. The front office hasn't paid money. The team has gotten worse because of that. So, it's one of those things where I, I can't remember who said this exactly on Twitter, but he basically said Trey's comments was basically, I want to be in Atlanta, but we got to start spending some money and stop being cheap. 
I just paraphrase what that, what that tweet was saying. And I, and I agree with that. I agree with that coldheartedly. I think this offseason is huge because, again, assuming that this team makes the play-in, potentially doesn't make the playoffs, or if they make the playoffs, get eliminated in the first round, got to make a change because you're the exact same place you ended last year. You can't use the excuse of patience and waiting around anymore because it's like, okay, you can't tell the fan base we're just going to stay put again. Like You have to make moves. Like I've said, they're going. I expect them to revisit DeJounte Murray in that trade potential. We'll see if they do anything with Bogey, potentially any other guys, potentially in trade talks. Bay has a big contract decision they have to make if they're going to keep him. You know, Clint Capella, you know, DeAndre Hunter. You know, there's 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 a lot of decisions that have made this offseason. And so the Hawks have to have to, you know, really the front office actually has to really give us those answers, you know, and, and also don't forget, you still have to answer the question with the rookies. Like, you know, you can't, you expect Kobe to come into the rotation next year. You would expect maybe Seth Lundy to potentially get into the rotation next year. You know, the only player rookie who may not is Muhammad Gay, and that's just because he hasn't played at all this year. So he hasn't gone through that development like they have in playing in Skyhawks. But overall, I think for Trey Young, you know, I think he right now he's he's just he's just playing. I think he believes in Quinn. He's been vocal about Quinn multiple times. He wanted he wants to play with Jalen Johnson. I think he thinks him and Jalen could be the next one-two combo in this league. I think you know he's been outspoken about hey, we got to get the players in here that work with what Quinn wants to do. I just don't see him saying all that, knowing in the back of his head, I'm out of here. Because it would make no sense in that situation to to outwardly defend your head coach, but then know I want to leave Atlanta. So, to me, it it it, it makes me. And he's also preached patience. He said, "Listen, it's going to take time. It's not going to be quick." And, and and a guy saying that to me tells me he's like, "Listen, are we where I want to be right now with this franchise?" No. But I also understand the, the, the hurdles and the obstacles in our way and to get to that point. And so I'm not going to be impatient and like, you know, rush that and say, well, if we don't rush it by this point, I'm out of here. You know, like I said, he still has a few years left on his contract. Usually when players have years left on their contract, teams have leverage. Now, if Trey is getting into that last year before a player option, then, you know, you may be in a situation where it's like, all right, well, you got to do something now. And I hope the front office is not, trying to wait that long before making a decision like that but it's something that is going to be lingering but I think it's good that Trey basically said his mind's in Atlanta he's focused on here wants to win he wants to be with one franchise and we'll see how this front office responds as this season you know continues finishes up and then we'll see what they do in the offseason but Trey Young was at the Indianapolis All-Star Weekend this past weekend. Participated in the three-point contest. Also in the All-Star Game as well. I also really, you know, feel like, you know, I know the big story coming out of that was the All-Star Game and how bad that was, (laughs) which I will give my thoughts on too. But three-point contest, I mean, Trey Young put on the show. He, He played... He played well. I mean, he was to the last three, got to the last round and literally was tied 
until Damien hit that last money ball late to, to win it. But I mean, Trey, he, he showed up and showed out, you know, he talked about it even afterwards. He's like, listen, wish I could have had a higher score, but you know, I'm glad to see people see what we got going on in the A and, you know, still repping the city and so forth. So, you know, I, I think he had a good showing there. He, you know, he, he, he's a guy who has really, one of the things about Trey Young, if you look at his three point stats, it's never really been considered great. But I feel like this year he's had stretches, especially where he's just shot lights out from three, especially from deep three. So for me, it coming into this three-point contest, I'm not surprised he finished where he finished because, you know, especially with Quinn Snyder coming in, I think everybody knew he needed to work on the three ball. And I think Quinn has helped Trey. And Trey knows, okay, okay, if, I, if I'm going to maximize what he wants me to be, I got to maximize my three ball. And that's what you've seen from him this season. And now you just saw it in the all, all three-point contest during All-Star weekend. And you've seen good performance from him there. And then the All-Star game, you know, again, I, I think this also happened in his second appearance. Didn't really play a lot. I think he only played a total of 15 minutes. I think he had five points, but he did lead the East with assists. Seven, I believe. Um, had that nutmeg on Kevin Durant. Obviously a highlight play. You know, he hasn't nutmeg guys in a, in a game in, in years. He used to do that his first couple of years in the league. He used to do that, I think, more his second year especially. He used to do that a lot. I remember the infamous, I think he tried to do it to Trevor Ariza. And Trevor Ariza was, was, was kind of, you know, gave him, gave him a shove. And I really, ever since that, I haven't seen Trey do it a lot. And I could see that also being like, all right, I'm, you know, if I'm trying to win, I can't be nutmegging everybody, <laughs> you know, because that's just not maybe serious basketball. But um, that was the highlight. He had a three at the end of the third quarter um, in the All-Star game as well. And, you know, I don't know what Doc was thinking. I mean, it was a game that no defense was played, so I don't know why Trey didn't play more minutes, but that's what they wanted to do. Okay, fine. Uh, so, overall, I think Trey did a good job representing Atlanta during All-Star Weekend, really. Um, I think he did a good job just, you know, getting to his third All-Star appearance, three-time All-Star, uh, a guy who will probably be our only All-Star for a while. I mean, I don't really see anybody else maybe – entering that fray unless Jalen Johnson, you know, as he continues to ascend, uh, potentially taking that step. But overall, I, I think that, um, you know, he, he did what he needed to do. I think Trey's been doing what he needed to do out there. And I think overall he had a pretty, pretty good weekend, I would say, you know, it was, it was man, everything like that. Now talking about the all-star game, I know everybody was pissed. I mean, the, the East scored over 200 points. The game was extremely uncompetitive. In terms of just there was not a lot of competitiveness in the game. Defense obviously was an option. I think they set a record for most three-point attempts in the game with like over 120. So clearly you can see between the both teams combined. So you clearly see that this was a game where everybody was just kind of messing around. You know, and, I, and Adam Silver coming into that, and even Larry Bird said it too early, I think that day of the All-Star game. It was that, you know, everybody wants to make the All-Star game more competitive again, but nobody knows how. Nobody knows what can we do to make the all-star game watchable again and exciting? You know, when they did, when Kobe passed and they changed the format, those were the times, those couple of years where, oh, wow, this the all-star game was competitive. Like guys are playing hard, you know, they're competitive, they're competing, especially, you know, in the final, final, final frame. And, you know, that's what the NBA wanted to try to get back to the competitiveness of the all-star game. This past week, I think, has been very frust- was a very frustrating time for basketball fans. I've seen people say that they need to get rid of the dunk contest because the dunk contest is not at all what it used to be. You know, even rising, even the uh, the skills challenge, 
is something that I think people are kind of like just I mean the skills challenge has always been kind of a so so event, but it's always been it's always been a nice setter, like a good front first thing. It's been like a fun event. But even now, I think people are like, we can get rid of that too. Some people even talking about just get rid of the entire all-star weekend to begin with. I mean, I mean, some people were really frustrated after seeing what happened. And the thing is, is that you know, these cities are doing all this to try to make this venue great. You know, obviously Indy had that court at the airport, and you know, they want they want this, they look at this as an opportunity to show all NBA fans that come to the All-Star game what the city's about, the love for basketball that they have. And to to go to an all-star game event, to buy a ticket, to fly to see maybe a player from your favorite team that is in that game and to watch the game and then see that performance. I can understand you just being like, why do I even spend money on the all-star game? Why even go through it? People are going to tune in because they're going to, there's always going to be that question of, will this, will this next year be better? Will this weekend be better than last? You know, and, 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 and even Adam Silver after, the game, the East one, he kind of was just kind of like, congratulations on setting the points record. <laughs> Almost like, oh boy, this was not what I expected. This is not what I wanted. So a lot of people were, like I said, asking the question of what can the NBA do to make the All-Star game more, more watchable? You know, is, is it, obviously you've heard people bring up the old baseball um, conditions where when they have their All-Star games, if the East, the AL or the NL one, they would have home field regardless of record in the World Series. Some people have brought that up. Do we do that? But then at the same time, people are also worried, well, that means the number one seed has no meaning anymore to teams because, you know, it doesn't matter if we have the best record. We could be the eighth seed. If, if, if we win, if we get through the playoffs and we won in the All-Star game, we're going to have home court regardless. You know, so you do worry about that. Uh, some people said, do you put money on the line? I mean, the in-season tournament, all they did was play for money and a trophy, and that got competitive basketball. So did you put money? I mean, there was a report that apparently said that players want to get paid for the All-Star break, but obviously that's going to get backlash from fans because it's like, oh, well, if it's not going to improve the product, then why why are we paying you extra money to do it if you're not going to improve the product that we are seeing on television? So I get that as well and why – you know, as a fan of the game, you may not you may not want that either. For me, I think you have to give them there has to be something given to them that players are going to want that may mean something. I mean, I don't know. Shoot, every team, whoever side, I'll just bring something random. Whoever wins, every player that makes the all-star team for a selected team, that team gets an extra draft pick. Not a, Probably not a first, probably a second, but they get an extra draft pick. So if the East one, that means Boston gets a draft pick, Atlanta gets a draft pick this 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 year, and there'll be second-round picks. So that's just an extra asset for a team to get. Now, that's more team-centric, not player-centric, so I don't know how much that means to a player, but that's something. I don't know. Maybe the teams can talk to them. If you're talking about more, something more player centric, I don't know. Maybe you could, maybe, hmm. I mean, somebody threw out an idea once of like, 
maybe you give fans of the teams who side one gives them a free home game. I mean, teams probably don't want to do that to give up that kind of money. Um, I mean, this is kind of this is the kind of the challenge. I mean, a couple of players were asked, and they were just kind of like, I don't know. Anthony Edwards was asked about it, and he was kind of like, I mean, it's kind of a break and just to have fun. I don't know why am I going to play hard during my break? <laughs> so some of the players have kind of already came out and kind of been like, eh, I mean, not really. I, I don't see any reason to play hard in this game. So it's tough. I mean, maybe maybe you go with the home court. I mean, Adam Silver has to figure it out. Because after a while, it's almost like people are like, I don't have to watch the All-Star game. I could just be on Twitter, see what people are saying. If it seems like it's something good, then maybe I can tune in. But if not, why should I spend my Saturday night where I could maybe go out with friends or something to watch that? So NBA has a has an issue they need to fix with the All-Star game, uh, for sure. You got to get these guys more locked in and competitive. And you got to figure out a formula that works um, for them. You know, so it, it, it's something that, you know, is going to be tough. Maybe, I don't know. So it's something that they obviously have to go back to the drawing board, talk about, figure out, and see what they want to do moving forward. So the all-star game, and then the dunk contest can be great again, too. Got to get, I mean, some people are like, we got to get the professional dunkers from outside the NBA here because this isn't, I mean, no offense to Mac, won it two years in a row, but it's like, it just feels like the, just the luster, everything is just not there anymore. And that was something that people just used to be so excited for, which is the dunk contest. And to see what has transpired into has just been frustrating for people. Because now no good player wants to be a part of the event in terms of, like, really good. Jalen Brown did it this year, which was good, and he was in the final. But, you know, I think people just – maybe it's a star power thing. Maybe it's just a star power thing. But also – you know, people are like, are we running out of dunks? No, they're not running out of dunks. I can watch professional dunkers do different crap that they haven't done in, in, the, in the NBA uh, slam dunk contest. So it's it's something that we have to continue to figure out, man. It's something we have to continue to figure out. NBA has to figure out to make All-Star Weekend just a better quality experience from an on-court perspective. The cities can do all they want and make it the greatest spectacle that they can do. But the NBA now has to make it worth it because now you don't know how cities may feel at the All-Star game because they're like, well, this is the product we're getting. Do we really want it? I mean, you'll probably always do it just because it's a good financial decision for the city. But you never know if a city may just be like, this this, this product isn't great if we're going to be responsible for hosting a, 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 a bad All-Star weekend, realistically. So we'll have to see. So... Let's get back into Hawks talk here. We're going to go into into certain changes that I want to see the Hawks make as they come back and finish this season. Some changes that I think could be beneficial for this team moving forward. And, you know, maybe it could lead to more consistent results. So first thing is first, coming back from the All-Star break, if Ayaka Kongo is healthy, he needs to be the starter for the rest of the year. I think Quinn, you've seen the success you've had with DeAndre Hunter coming off the bench. I think Clint may be good in that role. I think he is I think he is going to be good in that role, playing around 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes a night if needed. And kind of playing in spurts for rebounding defense, those things. And letting a Yekka just grow. Because 
we've seen the numbers. He works really, really well with Trey because of his ability to shoot. He works really, really well with Jalen. He he is a he is an easier guy to do pick and roll with for any player. And I think at the same time, I've said this multiple times on the podcast. You gave him the extension. Let him show you he is worth the extension. Give him the starting job for a top six pick and let him show you he can be the guy. Can't completely figure that out if you're playing in the bench. A lot of teams nowadays, like I said, he, you play Boston, Clint Capella is basically useless against Boston outside of rebounding. You're going to finish games with Yekka Kongu. The last couple of games for Clint Capella was hurt before the All-Star break. You started finishing games with Okongu because he was the better matchup. He was playing well. Let him hold that job. Let him continue to grow, get more comfortable in the starting lineup. Let him continue to play the way he was playing. He was giving you basically a double-double a night. He was giving you, um, or if he didn't have a strong rebounding night, he maybe was pushing 20 points. I mean, imagine now getting 20 points from your center, not just from putbacks. Like an actual guy who like could hit a three, hit the mid range, has good touch at the at the rim, you know, can shoot free throws. That's Yeko Kangu. A really good, uh, def- he's a good on ball defender. May not be the shot blocker that Clint Capella is, even though Clint Capella has regressed. But a good, he's a better overall defender than Clint. So, give Yako Kangu the job and let him be your starting center. Second thing I would change. I would play four guards consistently. I talked about this in my last episode. Glenn Willis talked about it on a tweet. He said, I feel like the guards, he basically said Trey, DeJounte, and Bogey get tired because sometimes Quinn will only play those three guys the entire game in the guards' perspective. I don't, and, and, the, and the issue is, is that you have Kobe Bufkin, who Quinn Snyder has came out and said, Play really well. I'm impressed. He's ready, et cetera, et cetera. And yet didn't play him the last two games. You are at a point now where you have had a Trey Young has said he's ready. Quinn has said he's ready. If you're Quinn, you have to see that okay, my guards are running out of gas sometimes at the end of these games. Listen, well, if you we get that when Kobe played 16, 17 minutes, there was a bunch of injuries. And you're not going to be able to play him 60, 17 minutes if everybody's healthy. But you can give him something. You can give him five to 10 minutes. You can do that. Let him do that. You know? Because at the end of the day, he's your best perimeter defender. He showed well against Jalen Green. But at the same time, I also understand he's a rookie. He, guys, he will get cooked at times. He, listen, there are going to be some savvy veterans who will cook him. And, and, and that's just the game, you know? You can be a great defender, but you will get cooked sometimes. And you just got to let him grow through it. Let him develop through it. Let him, okay, next time I defend him, this is what he did to me. This is how I can, you know, defend him better. You know, he does this a lot, so I need to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm careful with that. Let him do that. But don't don't just put him on the bench when you know they're struggling at the point of attack and you know there's someone on the bench who can do it because you, you literally played Trent Force all his games that he could play this year. You let him play in all those games. And yet, Kobe Bufkin is basically a better version, offensively especially, than Trent Forrest. 
Trent Forrest may be a more stout guy than Kobe because Kobe's still growing into his body, but Kobe has the ability if he gets the shots and he has the the green light within the offense to score points. Like Trent Forrest, every NBA team knew. I mean, he really isn't that much of a threat offensively. Like getting points from Trent Forrest, like any points from him was looked at as a bonus. Kobe legitimately can come into the game, and if he's having a good night, can give you eight points, ten points off the bench, which would be big. And then he could still defend. So I personally feel like don't be afraid to give him the ability to let Trey, DeJounte, and Bogey not put so many minutes on them. You're playing a playoff rotation when you don't have to. I get that we're trying to win games, but to me, why do you think Kobe can't help you win those games? And you know he's eager to help you win those games. So give Kobe Bufkin some run. I also would call up Seth Lundy. And the reason why is because one of the biggest issues that the Hawks made is when they traded John Collins, they didn't get a backup four. They just said, we're going to make Bay the backup four. The problem with that is if you're playing a bigger team, Bay's going to struggle. Bay is good against small ball teams at four, but you need someone else who can play the four. Now, I know Seth Lundy isn't a four. And the point I'm making is, if with, with the injuries that we have had to the wing, especially now that John Collins is gone and now you only have three wings. If DeAndre has to sit a game, if Jalen has to sit a game, if Hunbei has to sit a game, you cannot sit here and tell me that going to Wesley or Garrison Matthews is, is your best choice. With Seth Lundy, probably can give you exactly what they're giving you, if not potentially more. The thing about young players and why you have so many people who push for them is because the potential that they could give you more than what you're getting. Garrison, you know what you're getting. Wesley, you know what you're getting. Seth, I can't say I know what we're getting with Seth Lundy because I haven't seen him enough to know. All I know is he'll light it up in the G League. So, shoot, why can't he have the opportunity to potentially light it up on the main roster? And really, I want him called up for death reasons. Just, if you have injuries, go to Seth. You He, he had an opportunity before he got the ankle injury, and then Quinn just never went back to him. And I just think, no, go back to him. Give him an opportunity. Let him play. He'll pro- And then Trey Young can maximize Seth Lundy because of his passing ability. Seth can find where he needs to go, get open shots. Trey will find him, and he'll have good looks and could now be a lethal three-point shooter for you. So don't be afraid to call up those two guys and let them, Kobe play especially, just for the guard rotation and rest and, 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 and fatigue. But Seth for death at the wing in case someone does get hurt again, in case Hunter has to set out a back-to-back. You have more a, a, another capable guy who could have a really good game if given the opportunity. And then uh, there's one lineup, and this is my last thing. There is one lineup that I want Quinn to go back to that he's only used a couple times this season. But I I really think this is one of, if not the best Hawks lineup he can put on the floor. And I always remember this, and I've said this multiple times to you guys. The Charlotte game. First game of the season. He used this lineup when the Hawks were down. And they got back into the game. I believe they cut it to two points when that happened. If not tied it up. He played, I think it was Murray... 
Bay, Hunter, Jalen, Conley. That lineup gives you versatility one through four. If you have Murray in there, now he's playing, he's guarding points, which is his preferred guard guards. And now you have really not a weakness defensive. Like, listen, I think Bay can hold his own against like two guards. You put him against bigger guys and like, you know, more craftier threes and fours, he'll struggle a lot because he's not a great on-ball defender to begin with. But him playing two or Hunter, whoever you want to put there, is not a bad idea. And this is and this and this lineup has been used twice, and they've gotten positive results both times because you still have scoring on the floor, whether that's DeJounte or Trey. You have versatility one, two through five. All of them can switch. Everybody can hit a three. Like you see what I'm saying? Like it's your most balanced lineup to me. You still have offense and you got better defense. And I really, really hope that Quinn will will use it. And I don't even know if he remembers even use it at this point, but I really think that's a rotation that if the Haw- and, and, and I think you don't want to use that rotation all the time, but maybe if you're down or if you need some stops, you know, don't be afraid to use that rotation. And just because I think it really can help you against teams, especially bigger teams. And I think that may be an ideal lineup to use to get defense, but still keep scoring. Because the problem and one of the issues with their with the roster construction is that Quinn's very limited in defensive lineups that he has. He can put offensive linemen on the floor, of course, but defensive line line uh, lineups he doesn't really have. That's probably his best defensive lineup he can put on the floor, realistically. With Murray, Hunter Bay, Jalen, and Economy. Or Clint. Clint just can't switch like Economy can. So that's why that's why I say balanced. But so hopefully, I don't know if he'll make any of these changes. He may not make any more changes. If y'all guys think there's some other changes he should make, leave them down below in the comments. But um that's about all I got for you guys today. This is your Believe in Hawks episode, episode 43, man. Came a long way. Came a long way so far as we get ready for the Hawks to get back from the All-Star break this Friday playing the Toronto Raptors. So I'll be on top of that, giving you the latest on that game. And we'll see if our Hawks can make a push late here to get into the top two uh, play-in spots, eight and seven, and see if they can maybe potentially get the seventh seed and avoid playing Boston again for the first round or potentially being a 9-10 and now may not even make the playoffs in general. So we'll have to see, man. But before I go, guys, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, Bryce underscore 2K. Also, don't forget if you watch this on YouTube, subscribe and like the video and subscribe to the channel. Also, don't forget, if you're listening through audio, leave a review, leave a rating. Appreciate all your love and support, guys. Let's 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 hope for a, a better end to this season as we're entering the home stretch of Atlanta Hawks basketball 2023-2024 NBA season. It's your boy Bryce Lewis. See you next time.